And we are back. Thank you for joining us. And it's kind of a special edition. We do it every single day, so I guess you wouldn't say it's a special edition. But with what markets have been doing, especially with the movements today, um, I think you got to take today with a grain of salt because it's operate op, op, OPEX day, option expiration day. Um, and basically on any OPEX day, the one thing you can probably count on is the NASDAQ is going to be up a lot and it's going to be up more than the other indexes. Why? Retail, right? That's their playground. The retail thinks that there's one style box in stocks and that's tech. Tech all the time. And retail has discovered the magic of leveraged options, especially zero days to expiry. So just like you'd expect, NASDAQ has a big day despite economic news, despite rates going up, despite everything else, nothing matters, just buy tech. Um, but the reason I want to have this discussion with Chase is because we are at very, very interesting levels. We keep toying with the breakout. We keep flirting with it, and then we back back off. One index breaks out, then another one pulls back. You just keep playing this dancing game. What's fascinating today is I do believe today is the first day that all th- – well, no, the NASDAQ has not broken out to a new all-time high. But yeah, the Qs have, which to go back to – the, the preference of retail. No one cares about the NASDAQ composite. Everyone is all about the NASDAQ 100 and it, and it put in, you know, vicious new highs today. So, well, hold, hold on a second. That's the exact opposite of what we were talking about earlier. We were saying that statistically they are not significant new highs. We're not, this is not five to 7% above the previous. No, years. but I'm saying on, you look at the chart and this is a blast off from, from the prior all time high today. Yeah. But it, that's a, that's a gap up, right? But, yeah, and to your to your prior point though, like the Nasdaq Composite, it it is still short of its all time high. Yeah, while S and P put in a new all time high today, and and the Nasdaq 100, but the Composite's still kind of limping along. And then small caps continue to stay way behind. Yeah, they're still down like four or five percent on the year. Yep. So we're looking at this market, and I and I know that you and I agree with this, but I'm I'm sitting here, um trying to absorb it because the prices and the valuations on this stuff has just gotten to a point where I'm having a very hard time making any logical sense out of it. And I, and I just, it doesn't feel like anybody is doing the math anymore. And I explained on the radio show today, the three and a half percent move yesterday in Apple, it's a hundred billion dollars in market cap on nothing. And you start looking at where these companies are at and the size of them. We were talking about, one and a half to three trillion dollar market caps trading you, trading at 15 16 times revenue are you saying the ai beer goggles aren't going to make them worth another trillion no i'm saying that i'm at a point where i'm about ready to throw in throw in the towel and just say all tech all the time and put a shop stop loss underneath it it, it, it like I, and i know for me that sounds sacrilegious and we're not really going to do that but you're watching the, you know, the, my mind is telling me, look, you're, you're probably very close to a peak here. If you're feeling like this, if you're looking at this, yeah. you're thinking about it this way. So I'm not going to do that just because. But if you don't do it, it'll keep going. No. Right. And that's the, <laughs> it, and it just, nothing matters. Higher rates, insolvencies, bank runs, no one cares. And and I, what I'm trying to figure out is if we do break out next week, what does that mean? Because if we break out next week, now again, I could be wrong, but I'm just I'm just you know you and I have both been doing this for a while. I you know we're involved in markets on a daily basis. We both have studied and read all the books. You know we've done all that stuff, right? I've just never seen asset prices behave like this, where they don't care. Like it's not. It's not me screaming into the wind. It really isn't. That, that's not what I'm saying here. I, I'm just saying more like, hey, I think that they shouldn't be doing this. But if they keep going, I think that that's telling us something. And that scares me. Right? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And unless there's our, our, you know, the caveat we we throw out about five times a week unless you're about to get some no no kidding ai is about to create a productivity miracle and a a true just innovation you know supernova then it makes sense i would say short of that 
It, it really doesn't. Okay, now we'll have to throw in there. Yeah. Okay, so we can go back through markets. It's like the, the asterisk on every show. When you have seen this level of overpriced in markets, it has never correlated to what you just said. Well, yeah. It but- has never foretold an explosion. Every single time sure. action like this yeah. has played out, we can go back to the South Sea. Where we, where we, where we, can go, we can go back to the 1700s. But no, but we didn't have the uh, the four hundred one k machine in, back then. That's true. That's you just true. you just had no kidding speculators in there going wild. Yeah, right. That was, I would I would compare to crypto, but now crypto is going to get four hundred one k money too. So well, you can also make an argument that those were much more real markets too than these are. In in some ways, yes, and then probably in some ways more manipulated and and stuff at the same time, but but manipulated well, differently by private 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 people instead of public people. Yeah, manipulated by people that if they don't manipulate it just right, can get run over. Right. So now we're manipulated by people that have zero threat, which I think is worse. Right. I mean, j- just meaning eventually those manipulators, if they're playing those games, they eventually all got run over. Right. The Fed can't get run over. Right, it's got. So my question to you is, what does it mean? What, what does it mean if we break out from here? Could you be looking at another Japanese? Because here's here's the thing that I think that, um, I you know what I, I rather than prefacing it anymore. What do you what do you do you think that we're going to see that productivity explosion? Do you think we're going to wake up two years from now and realize that these things aren't overpriced? So I, are they going to swallow the entire world? So I think. I think it's possible that you do get a productivity boom that makes it make more sense. Um, not to say that it's going to make it make perfect sense, but I think part of it too, if you just kind of zoom out and look globally at, so we, we, we know we're getting a bunch of inflows from around the world, especially in Asia. If you think of like one of the reasons the Japanese stock market's doing great all of a sudden is Chinese people are going and investing in Japan. Uh, they're even trying the, the authorities in China are trying to get them to stop and then they're not stopping. Um, they're just like breaking the rules because, you know, there's not really too many good investments right now in China. So they got to get money out and put it to work somewhere else. Despite the fact that Japanese equities are doing great, there are, there are massive inflows from Japan into the U.S. So uh, of late anyway, for some specific funds, they're like, there's just so much demand, not just in the U.S., but globally. And then obviously the the retirement machine that just puts a bunch in every month. Um, last year, you had a bunch of people underweight that are just panic buying now. And you can see that from the data. People that went into last year, very, very underweight, the NASDAQ. Now they're kind of plussed up. But to me, that that is what makes it a little confusing, at, at least at the very moment that, were, that we're ripping, is the fact that you kind of look at the data and the sentiment and positioning is already very strong. It, like Typically, whenever you get sentiment and positioning kind of really high it gets it gets tougher for the market to rip and this so if it if it keeps going something something very interesting and something different is happening either either on the flow side or just from a no you're missing it this ai thing like it makes sense to just buy as much as you can get your hands on not my base case but you can't i'm not i'm not gonna throw that out yeah i i don't I just don't, I don't know. I, I just think it brings up, I, I it brings up a whole host of questions. It has this market changed. Uh, do, do, do valuations matter? I would say, yes, it has changed and valuations only matter over hmm, 10, 20 year stretches. Fantastic. So, so for the most part, I would just answer that question with a flat. No, what matters is, is going to be flows. I know I saw a report today. Some firm was saying a Morningstar actually that passive has passed active. Now on a lot of other measures that I've tracked and done the math on, passive already passed. Active, I, I thought right? we had like right. I thought we had like fifty two percent two years ago. Same, um, but 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 again, an, an, another metric to show like that that freight train continues to gather pace, um, and whenever it's Whenever that's the case, it's it's more of a math problem than it is anything. As long as you have a bunch of people employed um, and contributing, then it almost doesn't like fundamentals. Literally, do not matter if whenever it's a flows game, um, and at least for now, uh, it's a flows game, and it's it's still kind of unclear what changes that other than the slow slog of uh, required you know distributions 
things like that? Well, that's the pernicious nature. And I've thought a lot about this. I, it's a pernicious part of a market like this that does get out of control. And in my opinion, I, I think if you don't think it's out of control, I think you're drunk. Um, I, and you can point to so many things, just so many ridiculous things that are going on that are potentially damaging and that are, that are pro- not potentially, that are doing damage now. But one of the things I think about is th- this isn't good on any level. Markets have been hijacked. They, they're not what one of the dynamics market free markets are one of the key at parts of what made our economy so strong. And it was because we had a mechanism, the free market to allocate capital and goods in our economy a more efficiently and more effectively than any other system on the face of the earth. We do not have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. It's a different deal. And I want to expound on that because this is important. The, the, the crossroads between exactly what you're saying, inefficiently allocating capital today and the AI boom, assuming it is real is, is scary to me. And, and I'll, I'll explain I'm with you. If, yeah. if AI is going to take off, what, what that what that kind of means is you have you go from having a relatively small set number of good investments to make. So like actual ideas that work, that will make money, that make society better, all that kind of stuff. Good good capital add value. Right. Right. AI could all of a sudden unleash it to where you have a shocking amount of positive return on capital positive return on energy, call it, um, investment opportunities. So if you go from having not enough good opportunities to having too many, capital allocation, resource allocation becomes incredibly important because you better not you better not get it wrong. Right. And that becomes a, a national security issue, the whole nine. Because if if you pick the wrong things to put scarce capital in and someone else picks the right things to put scarce capital in, uh, the AI has say uncovered whether that's you know some sort of biotech breakthrough or or weaponry breakthrough or materials breakthrough. You pick the wrong ones, you go from from being like at parity with your peers to all of a sudden being leaps and bounds behind them. Well, here's here's another here's an, you, you go. You and I actually haven't talked about this, and I heard you going down this route, and I was sitting there going, I've been thinking the same thing. Uh, here's part of it that nobody's talked about, and I don't want to be the guy that's constantly harping on commodities, but when we think about the AI boom, what are we really talking about? We're really talking about machines taking the place of people, right? Okay. Do you realize how many more raw materials and how many more commodities that's going to require? And there is no investment going on. None. Right. It's just like the EV situation where you sit there and go, guys, if these two things end up being anywhere close to what you're projecting, the game isn't to invest in those things. The game is to invest in the things that those things need, right? Because that stuff is already priced like it's happening for sure, right? If this whole AI thing is going to be half of what the market is trying to say it is, then copper shouldn't be at three percent or or at three bucks. What is it at three fifteen? Copper? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it shouldn't be at three bucks, right? And that's when I keep these things. This isn't you know. I want people that are listening to this not for me to understand I am not sitting there advocating short AI stuff and go buy commodities. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this is really starting to concern me going forward because I've just never seen markets feed on themselves this way and continue to shovel capital in one small corner. I mean, at the end of 2021, halfway through 2022 and thing, I thought – I thought the nonsense was mostly over at that point. I thought we were about to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And I kind of figured that things would start making sense at least more than they have. They just reaccelerated right back up, even though the underlying conditions couldn't be different. Couldn't be worse, right? I mean, they on every metric, they're worse. Higher labor costs, higher interest rates. Um, you know, I just I, and and that's really what scares me is looking forward um i man i'm starting to see just all roads leading to inflation yeah i mean on the on the commodity scarcity side specifically for this uh, j- just last year uh, the amount of power data centers used globally was up about 30 
Jeez. Um, in a year. And we're obviously we're building way, way, way more of them. And we weren't locked down last year. No. Uh, the, the workload. Now they get more and more efficient and it's hard to really guess how much more efficient they can get. Right. Uh, but we, you know, we know that AI puts more strain on a data center than, you know, Angry Birds does. So as that strain hits, the power usage goes up and like you, you just take a step back and you kind of think about how many data centers we're, we're likely to have. If, if this AI boom is, is, is as real as, you know, the, call it the NASDAQ thinks, um, like where's all that energy come from? You know, like, well, there's so many things. This is why I just, I'm, that's why I'm calling BS on the whole, not, not BS on AI, but BS on the price action. Here, here's the other thing. I, I, well, the market is making an unbelievable amount of assumptions and they're all one way bets. But the other thing that I sit there and go, guys, you're, there's, look, I, I don't think it is a unlikely scenario that governments step in at some point and put tight restrictions on how this stuff is developed or slow it down or do all these. I, you just look at all of this stuff. And whenever I see assets pricing in nothing but blue sky, it always free. And, and, and you can price in nothing but blue sky without trading at 30 times revenue, right? Like meaning things can be priced to perfection. This stuff is like priced to perfection cubed. No, I mean, literally, it's like we're crowning them the best companies of all time before any of it's even started to happen, right? And and what concerns me about, like, what concerns me about that is, again, like we were saying, misallocation of capital, but also, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many slips. You know, it's like that old many a slip betwixt the cup and the lip, right? You're sitting there going, there's so many things. The likelihood that not one of them plays out it, it, it's infinitesimal. I, I just, it, it's just, like I said, it's just hard for me. This is becoming a harder and harder market to navigate because the fundamentals do not correlate to price at all. It, almost anywhere you look, whether it's too cheap or too, or too expensive. Yeah. There's, right? there's such a, a an enormous river between, between cheap and, and expensive. Well, and like you said, I hadn't even really thought about that angle too, but like, yeah, it is the commodity side, but do you know, like if you look at grids in this country, like power grid, do you know how much more power, if you have that AI explosion, you know how much more power is going to be required? Every one of those machines has got to be charged. They got to be plugged in. They got to run on something. You got power grids that are frayed now that are at their edges and you're going to start slapping way more machines and way more EVs onto them. Yeah, exactly. I, I just, I just don't, I've just, I didn't think markets could extrapolate this much. And and when I see a market extrapolating this much, I got to be honest with you. I don't really know what to do. Maybe that maybe that's not the great right guys like it are in our position. You know, we're marketing. We're always supposed to have the answers. I'll just sit here right in front of people and go, "Hey, I got to be honest with you." That's why I told them on the show today. I was like, "We break out from here. I'm probably I'm putting a chunk of money in the queues and just putting a stop loss underneath it at this point." Yeah, which you could you could argue is is the best risk management at the moment. Yeah, so, if you break out next week, I don't really yeah. see that you have any other option. No, hundred um, percent. Just, just because if you're like you and I were saying, and I was saying this on the show, if you break out from here under these circumstances, I think it's telling you a, one of a couple possible things: a, buckle up because this thing is going through the roof; b, uh, valuations don't. You know, I, I, I it. it you, we've just never seen stocks break out under these kinds of conditions. So, or, or like you said, maybe it is telling you that AI is going to be every single bit of everything that everybody's thinking it's going to be, which, like I said, will be the first time in history that it's played out that way. But maybe that is, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, it's very possible because technology is exponential and that it just continues to build on itself and grow and grow, grow faster and combine with yeah. other technologies. But, but here's the, here's the fly in that ointment, right? If the market has the ability to look through and see that, then how is it missing the, the undeniable part, which is the commodity and power needs in order to, in order to push all the stuff. 
That, that to me is, that's the part to me that is going, if those things were going up to, then I would be more believing of that. Right. But when I don't see those right. things rallying Where, alongside why isn't the, it, why doesn't nothing adjacent care? Yeah. Nothing adjacent. And then, and then even things inside that are adjacent aren't perceived to be adjacent. Yeah. Right. Like it, it just, n- none of it's uniform. It just doesn't make any sense on the face of it. Yeah. Or like we talked about before, like why isn't biotech going nuts because of all the breakthroughs they're going to have. Well, right. And you and I have talked about that again, we could be wrong. I honestly think I, I think about all the industries that will be positively impacted by AI. It's hard to imagine one that's got it, that gets more benefit from it than biotech. They always come back to materials and biotech and those don't really. Those two care. should be rallying right alongside AI. Right. Because that AI boom, if it happens, the that, resources required to to facilitate that are going to be massive. Yeah, exactly. And and how do you, and that's been you know that's been proven effective. I would say more than more than say uh, you know having a a chatbot on your computer to help you do whatever. Um, because th- we've already had medicines that were literally created from from AI, like picking out different compounds as so they try this and they try it and they go, like, oh, yeah, that does work. Yeah. Like that's, that's has literally already happened. Well, if you, and, and that's why you and I, I remember the first time we had this conversation and both of our eyes lit up because if you understand biotech, right? Biotech is like this ongoing math equation that never stops, right? And so you can have AI working on that at light speed compared to what humans can do. And they're working on it 24 hours a day. But like the, to me, when I look at AI, one of the things that I am willing that I would put my house down on right now is that it is going to light up biotech. Yeah, I agree. Right. Just because all of a sudden now what used to be limited by humans and working hours and sleeping and all these other kinds, now it's not. Now you're just letting that, you're letting the servers run that stuff 24 hours a day. I think there's going to be huge breakthroughs. Go look at the chart on biotech. Nothing. I I will. And what's interesting too is I don't think a lot of people are tracking this, but it's, it's very well known in the U S that how much we spend on healthcare as a percentage of GDP is just, just through the, through the roof, you know, just brutal. How much of our economy gets essentially siphoned away by healthcare. Yeah. It has actually been falling the last couple of years. So if you, if this thing really worked and, and if things like Ozempic, um, like really work, then all of a sudden you have a, a much healthier population and all of a sudden you have, uh, much less money getting just siphoned away to just take care of sick people. And that's all money that gets redeployed elsewhere in the economy. So like, again, that, that is the kind of thing that can make rampaging, uh, you know, future, future cash flow and future earnings for a host of companies, a host of businesses, like kind of, you can pencil that out. If you can be like, look, we're going to go from X percent of the economy just going straight to, health care and insurance and medicine and stuff and just let's cut that in half and just give it back to you like that's a big deal um and and that and it's not just health care that you would see that you would see that in all kinds of things yeah i'm a, i'm a little less i i don't i don't think uh breakthrough in ai is about to make america fit i just i don't buy that i mean people are already losing tons of weight on on things like Olympics. yeah so. and then they're gaining it back in like four weeks I haven't seen that. Oh, I have. Okay. Go, go. Elon Musk did it. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course. That's no, several of these guys. You hear them. They, they, I've seen several. So why'd they get off that. though? Like what's the point of getting Cause, off? Because they didn't need it anymore. Well, apparently he did. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just don't think that that's going to, yeah. I just, that go. I, 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 I'm I'll, skeptical I'll of those things. One. I'm skeptical no, of those you're, things. You're throwing them out there as possible. Yeah. Uh, but, but you have to like, keep your mind open to it. And Hey, if, and if those end up failing, if, if it's, you know, like the, obviously they're too expensive, but if the side effects are too hard, but, but what if AI comes up with one that just, just no kidding works and it's like we cure, you know, diabetes and heart disease and all. Yeah, I know. No, no, I know. Okay. So it, 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 no, I get what you're saying, but when we're sitting here trying to envision scenarios that could play out in the future in an effort to try to justify current stock prices, that's a, usually a pretty good sign that you're incredibly overextended. Right. When we're sitting here spitballing, trying to come up with scenarios that could make these prices not nosebleed. Well, the other thing is just, hey, we're going to just add a bunch of money to the to the monetary base. 
That'll do it too. Well, that's what, yeah, but I think it, that's what has done it to date. Uh, so, so expanding the monetary base is only beneficial to technology stocks. No, but I mean, it's not. To be fair, it's not the only stocks that have gone up. I mean, look at look at November, December, where equal weight and, and small caps. You know, small caps went up twenty five percent in two months. Like now, they're going back down, of course. But but it it still illustrates that this all this stuff can 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 at times just go straight up. Yeah, it just can't go straight down. <laughs> not not without a response. Yeah, no. And then we know what the response is: is buy the dip. Yeah. So, so where do we, where do we go from here then? Um, meaning the, I'm just having a hard time digesting this because we're sitting there and, and, and I think making very cogent and very sensible arguments that if this is real, these other things need to be happening as well. They're not. Um, so then part of me sits there and goes, well, then we'll just sit in the things that are real and wait. The, the, the only issue I have with that is, you know, there were people saying that seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. People saying that 10 years ago. It, if you're doing it with your own capital, who cares? But when you're doing it with other people's capital, you might find yourself five years later, you know, just looking around and wondering what happened. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. Even, I, even though I think it's, it's probably the responsible thing to do. Yeah. And and here's the thing that people need to say. Like, it's not – this is this is what makes it so much different. There were, there were It was like this for a period of time in 98, 99. But this is what makes us so different. We're not sitting there saying five years from now we're afraid that we could end up being – I'm saying over this cycle, especially in the last three years, you've seen things – with more, I mean, I, I've got too many to, it's actually, you know what, funny enough, it's actually been better after COVID before COVID. I felt like on the value side, it was even worse, but I have personally owned companies that over a four year period of time had their revenues increase 50%, had earnings up 65%, increased dividends, special dividends, and the stock went nowhere. So that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we, we're not sitting there saying five years from now we could be sitting back on those stocks and realizing we are completely wrong. I, I, I they would probably do well for you, it, but it's just the. But if the Nasdaq doubled again, it may not matter that you yeah. you've made you know ten percent a year in your and when, in your and when it, graphite company and when it finally pays off and we end up pulling way ahead of the market and outperforming massively, we got ten percent of our clients left. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Which, which should you know historically has happened to a few people where most of their clients left and and then they finally hit it Boom. on their idea. Right. Boom. Yeah. Which is funny because that's when, you know, allocators always chase the hot, hot, you know, investors when even empirically you look at it and what you should really be doing is, is allocating to the people that have been struggling for the last two to five years. 100%. I remember going into this year or excuse me, last year, uh, even saying that, I don't know if you, you started after the beginning of last year, but I remember going into last year thinking to myself, Whew. you better, I, I'd outperformed the previous two years, I think by like a combined 20%. And I went into that year going, boy, man, keep an eye. You know, I didn't go into it thinking, boy, I've got this figured out. I went into it thinking, yeah. keep your head on a swivel, man. This thing's coming after you. And it's so the funny, the funny thing is, is the longer you're involved in markets, the more and more you understand why that happens, right? Because people usually give around the same time. So when something becomes bombed out and the sentiment goes to zero, that's the most painful time to own it. And it's when you should be buying it hand over fist. Yeah, right? and, 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 and when you run out of buyers, that's when the rocket ship up and, or when you run out of sellers, that's when the rocket ship to the upside happens. But again, the, the, the reason why I, I, I throw a big old grain of salt in that comment is I know guys that were saying that eight, nine years ago. And it's and it never came back around. Right. I've seen it happen to me. Where where the company did exactly what we thought it would do and the stock still didn't move. The only thing that happened is the PE ratio got cut in half. Right? Just because the earnings were going up. So I you know, I just and that's why I'm saying I you know, I think that if you break out substantially next next week, and I hate saying that because of the sentiment and the positioning and the financial justice warrior in, in me wants to fight it because I know it's not I, I know it's BS. Now, here, here's here's the more pertinent question. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think we break out next week or do you think this is yet another false dawn 
and we'll go back in somewhere somewhere in the range that we've been in the last two years. What, what do you th- what do you think the odds are? Uh, first of all, I think I think both could be true. I think you could break out next week and just you know go up another five ten percent, and that could still be a false dawn. Um, but but I don't. Um, and it's funny because we, we literally built an entire stoplight framework where we have we have eight inputs that are all sentiment positioning flow based data to kind of give us an idea of like typically what what market tops and bottoms look like among those eight uh metrics and just to build a very simple model and right now the thing's red light saying be cautious you know because all the sentiment positioning and flow stuff suggests like it's hard to go up from here it doesn't mean you can't or won't obviously as, as today shows but but that it's a time to be careful and and the flip side would be when everyone's bearish, when everyone's selling, um, all that kind of stuff. Whenever the news turns, that that's whenever you want to be like, all right, what what can we buy? Um, and th- now this is a very short term thing. It's more of a weeks, months thing, not like not quarters or years, or especially not decades. It's a very much a voting machine uh, stoplight. But but that thing flashes red to me, um, which tells me like, yeah, I, do I think it's really going to break out? The answer is no. And on the flip side, and, and, and what I think really is going to drive this bus is, is first and foremost, is going to be energy prices. So oil, and I, I personally think oil is about to, about to move, move higher. I think it can move higher uh, by a good bit in the, in the next few months. And I think that will probably drag rates in the dollar up with it. And that really, that applies a lot of pressure to the equity market. Um, the, the ultimate, the ultimate theft of margins is energy prices. Um, it's it's the easiest way. Food and energy prices moving higher. Um, they're just well known for becoming a vice and, and like a vacuum that just sucks out the the excess margin of everything else. And so, if oil now, I'm not saying oil is going to go to 150 bucks. No, but speaking of oil, I don't mean to interrupt you, but oil has been bizarrely it's been violent, but in a very tight range, and it's just odd to me why are you seeing this economic data accelerate and it we don't seem to see oil prices going with it i think i think one of the biggest things is the in the u.s we've had pretty ugly inventory data um and as we talked about with cuppy or maybe as just offline with cuppy in 2023 everything that could possibly move against oil did you're dumping spr libya stops you know their civil war long enough to produce a bunch of oil the Iranian barrels come all back online. You know, American production goes all the way back to new all-time highs. And and not not only did all this happen, but all this happened against what people were saying would happen. Right. Um, so like all that outperformed anyone's expectations. So that that's why you moved down. Now the why why you stayed down, I mean, you had time spreads go negative. So you, the the curve went into tango suggesting, you know, that physically like we have too much oil um china every time it gets expensive kind of backs off and doesn't buy buy much um but all that all that's kind of turning on its head right now where uh china's stepping back in and buying a lot you see refining margins moving up you see the time spreads moving up you can look at the satellite data and see the fact that uh inventories are starting to draw globally um I mean, just this week in the U.S., we had an inventory draw for oil. Products are still a little too heavy, but you're probably going to have refineries down because of the weather. You're going to have, we know we have production down in places like North Dakota because of the weather. Um, all, all this, we're laying down rigs still. All this combines to tell me, like, there's a decent shot of um, a bit of a slingshot upside move in oil. And that that tends to be the kind of thing that now it may need a two to six week lag before, you know, equities really notice or care. But typically, um, whenever oil, you know, you, you see gasoline kind of rip to the upside, but equities do take notice of that. And so does the economy. So will economic data. And that feeds on itself because equity brings down asset prices and then asset prices crimp consumer spending as does higher gasoline prices. And, and that whole thing kind of feeds on itself unless something interrupts it. Yeah, like another big more cuts. Government yeah. spending, more cuts. Yeah. It it I, I just can't get over 
how bizarre this whole environment feels and how strange it is where I, and, and the thing I keep going back to is just the unbelievable, the, the, the thing that I think has to be playing a central role. And there's always, you know, multiple factors involved. Obviously the, the passive thing is big, but when the posture that governments and central banks have taken and they, they've maintained so long and it's gotten more, it, you know, I know what I'm saying is blasphemy, but it just leads you to believe, shoot, maybe this is the one, maybe, maybe markets never go down again. Yeah, that, that is blasphemy. <laughs> no, it is. I, but, but I mean, they've just figured out how to hotwire markets. I mean, the minute anything gets unstable, that's why it's so strange to me that people are so worried about downside. Well, I mean, I think you should be probably worried about downside because there's a bunch, you know, the other thing that happens in markets like this, and we see evidence of it all the time, looking at people's portfolios that are coming in here. Be, being, yeah, being worried a about a bunch of idiots out there that are doing 100%. really stupid stuff with people's money. Right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not taking that away, but, but uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard math for me to do. I, I just continue to look at this market and it seems to me to be simply a function of money printing in and prices go up. Yep. You add money and it finds its way into the inflows and, and yeah, it goes up. And like you said, on the liquidity side, so obviously we raised rates last year, right? But net liquidity from the Fed was positive for 2023. Well, and this is the argument I was making on the show. And, and I will be really interested to watch how this unfolds in economics. You've said this a couple of times. And I thought when you first said it, um, I really struggled with it. But as I go along this process, the more and more I'm convinced, I'm starting to think that interest rates were never the thing that we thought they were. I think the reason that interest rates have been effective slowing down economies is because they created less liquidity, meaning interest rates go up, bonds become more attractive, uh, assets become less attractive in terms of they, they cost more to purchase. And so liquidity pulls out of the system. It goes after bonds, CDs, other things, right? It pulls out liquidity. I don't, I am starting to wonder if you're pumping up rates and pumping liquidity in the backside at the same time. I'm starting to think that that's almost a canceling effect. I, I would I would actually argue it might it might Stimulate. be a net positive, yeah. Net at, positive. Le- at least right now. Yeah, I but, would agree. Like you know, I, at this point, I'm probably well known for the phrase: uh, interest rates don't matter until you have to pay them. And and that that's part of it is no one almost no one has to pay the the, the short term interest rate because everyone. So I was I'm not I wouldn't say interest rates don't matter. I think they don't matter at the moment because everyone termed out their financing. And hasn't had to refi. Why doesn't the Fed see that? That's, that's what's a, it. Yeah, it's a great question. If I you don't listen know. to them talk, and I was trying to explain this, you probably know more, but I was explaining this on the show. If you listen to them talk, it's almost as though that they believe a market awash in liquidity is the normal homeostasis of a market, that it should always be awash in liquidity good, in good or bad times. And I look at them and I'm like, you guys are out of your minds. That's ridiculous. One of the reasons markets go down in recessions is a reduction of liquidity. Right. right. We, we, I mean, we used to literally drain. That's why drain, default. We used to literally drain reserves. That was literally how we we you know raised interest rates. Now they do it a little different. Um, so, so I think you're, you're right. I mean, the, the the reserve level it just keeps ratcheting itself higher, um, and they're already like, freaking out that they might you know get a little too low. On, on bank reserves and have some hiccups because w- when they do get too low, you you find out about it real quick. And I would say SVB, perfect example. Like it was right around the time that even by their own estimates, okay, woof, that was the level where you can't get down there. Um, but I, I mean, I think you're right. Like you, you don't get to just raise rates and then pump a bunch of liquidity and think it's going to slow things down. At the, at the end of the day, it's, fun, it's funny to just today, um, ECRI, who... Is like a big economic cycle. Research Institute is what it's called. That's what, that's what they do. Is they, they forecast cycles, um, and they have a, lead, a weekly leading indicator. And they posted the chart of it today. And a guy I follow responded to it and said, "That's the stock market." And you look at the weekly indicator, leading indicator, and just it just looks like an S and P chart. But he, I think this guy was saying that as a as a criticism. But to be fair to them, that is the economic leading indicator. It it is just the stock market at this point. So. 
I maybe that's maybe that's the best you know economic <laughs> indicator you can get. Um, we're seeing it this month. That's why it's why we've been right about the data in Q1 because yeah. asset prices went straight up and we're like, cool. That means so is the economy in Q1. Yep. yep. I mean, Umich consumer sentiment today beat expectations by like ten. Like markets up. Yeah. So that's it. it and it's just a proxy. And and it, the Fed has done this. And I, I I cannot wait until they have to wear it. At some point, they'll have to wear it. Yeah, these so, guys have butchered this thing and botched this thing, and they've, in my opinion, now it can come back and it can come back really fast if the right things were done. But they've destroyed they've destroyed capital markets, in my opinion. Not not destroyed beyond repair, like they don't have a function. But I'm saying that capital markets do not do what they're supposed to do anymore. Yeah, going back to beer goggles, they kind of wear beer goggles. Yeah, now. and that should scare everybody because it what should. we know is we're not allocating capital correctly, and there will be a massive price to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just look at look at all the stuff that happened in 2021 that has already died. You know, all the the fake EV companies and WeWork and all this stuff that uh, was kind of obviously not not, not uh, Dogecoin and all the uh, Pete or what you call the JPEGs you could buy for a million dollars, like. Talk about just destruction of wealth and, and capital that could have been put to to use in something productive. Yeah. Um, and and it, and you go back and look at it, and it's because there was a bunch of excess liquidity. It yep. finds home. It finds a home, and it often finds really dumb home. Yep. Um, and that is a net negative for society for sure. And I think I think the Fed still thinks like, oh, let's just mess around with short term interest rates. When reality is, and we saw this in October, whenever you know the ten year hit five percent. Well, markets cared about that. Markets noticed that and they cared and they reacted, and, and instantly the treasury is like, no, 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 no. we're going to we'll take care of that. So I think we'll forget short term rates. Maybe maybe let the market eat long term rates higher, um, and then maybe don't give them all the liquidity that they they want. Give them just what they need. It's another it's another interesting thing that I've thought about for a really long time, um, and I base this off of the 0809 experience. I base it off of ninety nine two thousand, and I think it's more true today. That at some point over the last 30 to 40 years, the Federal Reserve, like if you think about it's their response, their responses to recessions or economic slowdowns have obviously become more drastic over the last 20, 25 years. But what's really f- interesting to me is that when you see bubbles pop, that's when the Fed comes in and acts really aggressive. And if you think about that in a weird way, it's almost as if they believe that an economy in a bubble or economy behaving as if it's in a bubble is what they think a properly functioning economy looks like now. I mean, it has been the norm for a long time, so they very well may view that as like a homeostasis, as equilibrium. Bubble conditions. Pretty much, yeah. I think it's fair. I mean, you go, if you don't have interest rates for a generation, it starts feeling pretty normal. Everything that comes with not having interest rates for a generation. I just feel like there's no adults at the helm, man. Like, it just feels, it feels like we're doing 120 on a dark highway with no guardrails and it's pouring down rain and everybody's taking shots at tequila and laughing out the window. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like. Again, I, I want people to understand this isn't me griping about the fact that we didn't own enough tech or me saying that I think the whole world's about ready to burn. I'm just saying like, if you've, if you're around markets long enough, well, I mean, then you got the Jim Cramers of the world. So go try to explain that moron. But, but if you're around markets long enough, you, you start seeing, you know, you start feeling the way they find I'm looking at this thing and going, man, this is freaking me out. Like this, watching this happen with no economic back backstop, with no underpinning to it. People are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, good, for God's sakes, guys, when is something priced in? You know, and, and maybe it's coming. Maybe, I'm not saying you know, just it. I, it's just it's scary, man. It's scary. And, it, it, and it's it's freaking me out because. You know, if we're right, and history would say that we are, like I said, we've never seen an asset ramp like this that ever that ever fulfilled its promise, at least in the beginning, right? Eventually, the internet did. The prices were just a decade and a half ahead of it. Right. Right. So Railroads back in the 1800s. You, you yeah. Know. Yeah. And so, you know, are they going to be long run, like, like 
you know, am I saying you should go out and shorten video and stay short for the next seven years? God, no. Like, it's not at all what I'm saying. You know, I'm just saying that this is just freaking me out because you just, with these types of stocks that have so much market cap, that control so much of the economy, they're just detached, you know, and and it, and the reattachment process, because it will happen eventually, right? The reattachment process just tends to be really painful. And the, the other thing, you know, is the higher it goes, the worse it's going to be when it stops, you know? So anyway, any other any other thoughts for us this week? What should we be looking out for? No, I'll just I'll just close with one thing, just to just to kind of talk about what you just said. And we, you, you mentioned you know Japan earlier because it just went supernova based on on capital flows essentially back in the eighties. And I was talking about how it's done well, you know, of late. It's it's actually one of the one of the markets we like, but it, it, they've just now got back to the highs they hit when I was five years old. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about lost decades, lost generation of wealth building. Lost 30 years. And that's, so it, it, you know, Hey, if we do just blast off from here and it, and we're right that it's not particularly, uh, underpinned by reality, then, then the future cost is at least can look like that. It can look like no wealth created out of your capital markets for 20, 30 years. And that's, you know that's that's a that's a grim situation for people that that uh you know work hard and and save half a million bucks and hope that that turns into something they can live on for 25 years yeah yeah well we'll have to see it i i i uh you know i guess the nice thing about this is all there really is to do is just sit back and watch what the market does you know what i mean there's no point in even really worried about the fundamental picture at this point because like we've said stocks aren't there's just not, and I, and I, and that's not, I, I think that you can get to points where people, you know, everybody always thinks that you're pointing to like a, a, a conclusion, right? They're not. So they're going to, I'm not saying they're going to collapse. I'm just saying, I think it's a, I think you have to be a very non-serious person right now to sit there and say stocks are reflecting reality. You may argue that eventually that they're reflecting eventual reality, but to make that argument right now today, I just think you have to be a fool you have to be a scammer or you have to be a, a, just lying to yourself, right? This, they're pricing in everything but reality on both sides. Like you see stuff that's just crazy cheap that's a head scratcher. See stuff that's crazy expensive that's a head scratcher. I, I, you know, and then the, the flip side is one of the reasons that, and I know you're on the same page, one of the reasons that I'm not out there like so many of these perma bears uh, preaching impending doom. I've never seen a setup like this. I don't really know what it leads to. Yeah, none of us do. Right? And I've heard the perma bears be wrong. I've been too bearish in the past. I'm not saying that. I'm just looking at this going, what I know is that this is not a market that functions the way it ha- has in the past. What I know is this is not a market that functions the way markets were intended to function. But I don't really understand the way it is functioning. I, I know that passive investing is having a role. I know that record deficits are having – I know these things are all playing a role. What I don't understand is how it all fits together. Because when stocks separate either too low or too high, let alone when you see them both happen at the same time, right? And it's it's like a barbell market, right? You have the stuff over here and you have the stuff down here and there's really nothing in the middle ground, you know? Um, in that environment, I just, I don't know. I've never seen it before. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it, man. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, and you, it's funny you say that because you know me, I'm a, I'm a chartist and – you can see this on on the charts where I, I track a lot of different uh, ratios. You know, putting one thing against another, mm-hmm. and you can look at the history, and it, they it'll be like in a in a in a range where it kind of makes sense. It moves, it moves, but it's kind of slow. And then you see the last few years where it just goes supernova up or down on these different ratios, whether it's different one indices against the other or one commodity against another or... And, and not just super, to record levels, right. right? We're talking record dispersion. Yeah. You know, and that and and that's what makes it so hard to make any sense out of it is because, you know, I will never be that guy that sits there and looks at something in Moon and go, automatically, that's a bubble short it, da, da, da. You know, just, I, I, I know the other side of that. I've seen too many of those things work out. You know, just, you know, I, I'm not, you know... Not not saying that can't happen, but man, if you're sitting back looking at this thing, it's just, it's, it's a tough one to navigate, man. Um, 
especially if you have any semblance of, you know, if you're like, I'm, I'm forgetting what that one guy's name was. He ran like a momentum fund or something like that, or he was like a pro trader. Remember the guy that was on CNBC that didn't even know what the company was. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and if you're one of the look, All right, he has guys, a sports car, you know. Yeah, he does. He's a Lambo, Lambo that he rented that day. Uh, but you know, that's the market for these guys, and it's frustrating for me because I feel like that's been the market for them for like the last ten years. But you know, it's the way it still rolls. No one cares about cash flows. Nobody cares. It's still funny to say that out loud. It's all investing is, but you know, nobody cares. So I guess. Uh, you don't get to play the market you want to play. You got to play the market that's in front of you, right? Hundred percent. Anyway, all right, guys. Well, hey, that's it. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, that shed. Hopefully, that brought some new revelations to you. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm leaving the conversation a little more calm, but probably just as confused and perplexed. Uh, but anyway, hope, hope hopefully it shed some light on you. And, and again, I'll just reinforce, guys, be careful uh, to both sides. I, I just. I think this is the, I'll say it and I've said it a million times. Um, I think the only person you don't listen to in this market is the one who's really confident that they know what's going to happen. Just, I I just, yeah, I, I I think we're, I think we are off the map and I think we're flying blind and um, yeah, usually that's ended bad. Maybe this is the one time it doesn't. I, I don't know. All I know is I cannot imagine being a long and strong only type investor in this environment. I just cannot imagine trying to navigate this without some kind of risk management principles in place. So, you know, obviously I'm biased speaking my book, but you know, if you're long and strong and you don't want to manage risk and Godspeed, um, I personally think that we're hurtling toward, again, I don't think it's going to create a big black hole in the market because the Fed will just pump money at it. But it does feel like me to like we're hurtling towards something that is not good, you know, on an economic base. Something I just, I just feel like, just feel like you can hear the ship creaking. It, it I don't know, just feels like we've, just yeah, we'll have to see. Anyway, hope you guys have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Dots. We're going to keep documenting this, and I'm actually kind of excited, looking forward to next week. I think next, I think next week's going to be really interesting, and I think it's going to tell us a lot. So, hopefully, you'll take that journey with us. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.